Hi, Raphael Bender here, founder of Breathe Education, and you're listening to the Pilates Elephants podcast. There are many things that are awesome about the Pilates industry. However, many of the practices that we take for granted are out of date, illogical, or just plain pseudoscientific. These are the elephants in the room, and I'm here to talk about them openly and honestly, and with a couple of F-bombs thrown in for good measure. Pilates Elephants is about debunking the myths and giving you science-based tools to become a better, happier, and more fearless teacher who really fucking knows your stuff. Okay, I'm here with Laura Cruz, and it's a great pleasure to be here with Laura Cruz. Laura, um, how's it going? It's going amazing. I'm super excited to be here. Me too. Looking forward to our conversation. So um, can you uh, just briefly introduce yourself to the audience um, and yeah, whatever you want to share about yourself? Yeah, my name is Laura Cruz. I am a movement uh, coach and business mentor based out of Brooklyn, New York, uh, most of my clients are in New York City. I have a few virtual clients uh, that are globally located at this point, which is awesome. Um, I do focus mostly on Pilates uh, with a little bit of other modalities that I've learned in my time of being a teacher mixed in there. Um, I have many years of uh, helping businesses manage their systems and uh, try to get their business off the ground. Uh, I worked at big box gyms. I've worked with smaller studios. Uh, I've worked with, you know, smaller entrepreneurs that are trying to transition into, um, you know, scaling their business. So I have a, a good background, I find, um, of working with a lot of different types of people in the fitness industry and the Pilates industry at this point, um, just try to find their footing and their power. Okay. Yeah. That's a pretty impressive bio. And, um, <laughs> we we're, we're here we've already had it you know this is our second second conversation that we've had on air uh the first time around we talked a lot about your journey through pilates and becoming an instructor um this time though we're here to to talk about business and the reason is when we actually had our first conversation one of the things that really really impressed me was that you've built a really kick-ass business for yourself and uh, I thought, gee, you know, it would be so awesome for, for a lot of our listeners to learn from, you know, what you've done so well. Uh, and I'm sure that there are a few mistakes you've made along the way that, you know, you could share as well. So uh, basically, you've built this fantastic business where you're essentially a solopreneur. You have your own thing going and you're the master and also the chief cook and bottle washer of the whole operation, as I understand it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and and now my memory is that you're you, you you say you're based in Brooklyn, but my memory is that you were based in Manhattan last time. You right. Know? So most of my clients are in Manhattan, uh, but I do you know I live in Brooklyn, so I always say that I'm I am based here, right? Because this is you know the enterprise. This is where all the magic happens in in the apartment before I leave the door. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I'm sorry, I've just got the Beastie Boys going from my head. Going, I'm from Manhattan. MCA's from Brooklyn. Um, but for all of us, for all of us plebs who don't live in New York City, um, Brooklyn's kind of uh, what in, is kind of a well-to-do inner suburb. Is that right? And Manhattan's like the 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 
the the high rent, high rise. That's what you see on like suits and all of those. You know, when you see New York City business, that's in Manhattan, right? Right. Yeah, for the most part. So New York City in general is comprised of five boroughs. Manhattan is what people from New York will call the city because that is where all the high rises are and the offices. And, you know, prior to COVID, that's where everybody would basically ascend on to come to work from the boroughs and also from the outer areas. Right. So we have like a whole big commute base that of people that come from various states and actually drive into Manhattan. Uh, Brooklyn is a smaller borough on the outside of that, um, which I think is considered maybe a higher end um, borough, but there's so many communities within, I mean, New York is so big, right? There's so many neighborhoods within uh, the, the, the boroughs themselves that, you know, where I live, I'm actually pretty far away from the city. Um, So my area is, kind of called like the suburbs of Brooklyn because uh-huh. it's a lot of houses and waterfront and parks and very far removed from, you know, Brooklyn that you might see on the shows, you know, where they're showing you Williamsburg and the, you could see Manhattan from like right across the water. Like right. we, we can't really see Manhattan <laughs> right across the water. Um, uh, but we have water and we have parks. <laughs> it's very different here. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the makeup of the rest of the boroughs is kind of similar to that too. For people who haven't been to New York, it's just a, a lot of different neighborhoods within a lot of different neighborhoods within a lot of different pieces of islands. Yeah. All around Manhattan. Um, I'm becoming, uh, travel, travel sick now. I want to, I want to, want to, uh, <laughs> I want to visit New York again. Um, I know. So, all right. So tell me, just tell me about. Uh, the you know your business like what what does your business look like what you know how many clients do you see where do you see them what do you do with them you know to 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 whatever extent you're comfortable sharing you know what do you, what do your figures look like you know give us describe your business paint a picture for us yeah so right now uh, I am in a hybrid what I call a hybrid model of my business so uh, I've only just gone back into teaching in person uh, in June of 2021. So I've only been in in the studio for the last six months. Um, All of my business prior to that from March 2020 until June uh, 21 was all online. Uh, So I have some people that I've only met online. Um, I have some people that I have met online and when they're in Manhattan, they'll come in for sessions, but they actually live in other states. And so they're not in Manhattan often. Um, I have some people that refuse to go online, so they've come back um, and I only see them in the studio. And then I have some people that kind of do, you know, some sort of mixture of both. If they travel, they'll do online sessions. And then if they're in the city, they'll they'll do sessions with me. So in any given week, I'm probably doing somewhere between 15 to 25 sessions a week. I've I've capped myself um, out of an effort to really protect my own energy, because as you and I both know, teaching in person, especially on in one-on-ones, I feel like is very um, draining. It takes a lot. It takes a lot of preparation. It's not just the session that you're in in that moment that you're in, but there's a lot of prep and also follow-up time that I find uh, fills up my schedule. So I, I don't try to, I, or I try to make sure that I don't go over 25 hours in a week. Um, you know, some people come in three times a week. Some people come in, come in once a week. So I probably have somewhere between like 12 and, you know, 16 clients. Uh, depending on the week. 
Wow. And so how many clients, like, okay, so on any given week, you might see, you know, somewhere between 12 and 16 individual humans for a total of 20 mm-hmm. to 25 sessions. How many clients do you have on your roster who you regularly work with? Uh, most of them are, are regular. So I want to say that like 85, 90% of them are people that are coming in every week. Um, and a lot of my clients have actually been working with over seven, eight, nine years. Um, so these are like long-term relationships where I've, I've been through a lot of different seasons of their life. They've been through a lot of different seasons of my teaching and of my life. Um, you know, most of my clients are wildly loyal. I'm, I'm very fortunate in that way where they really don't take time off, um, unless I take time off or, you know, they go on the the one holiday that they take a year and and that'll be the time that they take away from me. And some of those people will still plan to see me when they're on holiday now that, you know, COVID has kind of changed the landscape a little bit and allowed for them to be a little bit more open to having virtual sessions than before. So what really leaps out at me in what you said there is like, I'm just still reeling actually, like you've got this very, you know, very successful business where you've, you've actually capped it because you don't want to see more clients. Um, and you want to protect Mm -hmm. your own, you know, time and energy, which I totally sympathize with. Um, and, and your business, you have a total of, you know, I'm guesstimating here, like 20, 25 clients that you see on a, you know, like if you, if you added up everybody that came to see you in the last 30 days, there'd be like 20, 25, 30 people in that list, right? Maybe a little less than that. Maybe a little, because some of those people come in like three times a week, twice Mm. a week. All right. Um, So, so, so so in terms of like, if I'm, if I'm a, you know, if I want to start a Pilates, you know, business like yours, right. Where I just see mm -hmm. one-on-one clients and, uh, I charge good money and at, you know, by the time I'm seeing 25 sessions a week, I'm like, yeah, that's enough. I'm, I'm capped. Okay. I actually only have to acquire like 20 to 25 clients and then I'm, I'm, I'm capped. That's amazing. Yeah. Tw- I would, I would, yeah, I would say yes, but I would probably also say no. Um, because ideally you want that person to come in more often than once a week. An mm-hmm. ideal relationship, especially for somebody who is completely invested and really wants to see growth or wants to see their body maintain whatever it is their goal is, uh, whatever they're working towards, whatever it is that they're really um, invested in, right? You want them to come in more, more than once, right. right? Because once a week, and we know that, and I have some very high performing individuals that I work with that they cannot make the time to come in more than once a week. Um, so those are, you know, special cases we're dealing with, like, you know, the people that are at the top of their industry. Um, and the fact that they even have that hour is, is something special. But for your regular person, your retired person who might have a little bit more disposable time, it's to the benefit of both of your relationships to make sure that that person comes in more than once a week. I love it. So, all right. So I only really need like 16 clients, you know, 16, yeah, 16 yeah, humans. Absolutely to, to fill out my 25 or however many sessions per week that I want to run. All right. And so I love what you said there, but I just, I still want to just double click on the, the, cause I'm still reeling on only having 16 clients. Um, you know, my business at the <laughs> moment, we have like 500 clients that we're working with currently. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so yeah, 16, that sounds very manageable. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, all right. So if, 
you know, there's a, there's a flip side to that, which is, okay, if I'm going to get 16 clients and be full, right, and hang a sign on the door, a meta, you know, like a figurative sign on the door saying, hey, you know, put your number on the list and I'll get to you when, some, when one of my clients mm-hmm. retires, um, then I want to choose the right 16 clients, right? Like I don't want to have, you know, someone coming three times a week who one is paying bargain basement prices or two, you know, is like a pain. Um, so, right. so how do you, how do you, how do you get the right 16 people in there? So I think that starts at the beginning when you start to determine who your niche is and what the impact is that you're trying to have with the skill that you have. Right. So I find that a lot of people, when they first start teaching either Pilates or they're, you know, doing some other fitness modality, you know, they walk in the room and they say, well, I want to, I want to help everybody, which is a very noble statement. And I I appreciate hearing that people want to help the world, but it's not specific enough and they haven't earned the right to help everybody yet. Right. Cause their business is very small. Maybe they've only been teaching for a couple of months at one studio. You have to work up to that. You have to mature to the level to say, Oh, I'm going to work with everybody. Right. In the beginning, you need to know exactly who you want to work with because it makes it easier for you to have those conversations out into the, the universe to that one person, right. To draw them in. And then the people that you're attracting, right, that, that uh, human connection or that human capital that you're, you're drawing in with your marketing is the person that you actually want to work with. It's not, it's not, you know, Joe down the street that like, you know, is doing the literal polar opposite of the thing that you are invested in or the reason why you got into this, right? If you're really into working with moms and you really want to work with somebody who's postnatal or prenatal, you don't want the CrossFitter walking in because you're not going to feel impactful working with the crossfitter you can help them you have the knowledge but that's not your zone of genius mm-hmm. right so it goes back to this you know the very basics of of uh business and marketing which is who is your ideal client who is your avatar and what is it that you actually want to do what what impact do you want to have because again saying something really general like i want to help everybody is very noble like i said but you have to work up to that you don't, you don't have the right to say that when you first start. What you have the right to do is figure out exactly who it is that you feel most impactful for, right? Or who is it that you really feel that you want to help? If you are a dancer, you might want to help other dancers. And it makes it a lot easier for you in the long run to speak then to that audience and to draw that audience in, right? And then it makes it a lot easier also for you just to apply yourself because you know exactly who you want to work with. And those are the people that are walking into the room. For me, I I work with people who want to learn about their bodies uh, that are, you know, dealing with either pain or are dealing with people who uh, I'm dealing with people who um, maybe plateau in their activities because they deal with generalized pain. Um, They don't know why they can't, you know, go up and load when they're working out or they don't know why their back always hurts after they lift or they don't, you know, they don't know why their right leg is always hurting when they ride their bike, you know, something that's very specific in that way where I'm going to help them learn about their body and give them information to allow them to feel more empowered doing something else. They're not coming to me for like classical Pilates. They're coming to me to learn how to use their body to apply it to the other thing that they're doing because they're otherwise finding themselves in pain. Okay, that's, and, that's wildly specific, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and well, right. man, there's 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 stuff I want to ask you about there. But first, I just want to mm-hmm. like 
highlight something that you didn't say that it seems to me is like is implicit in what you've done, which is you've hired like you've hired clients or you've got clients who in well you what what you said there is you want to find the people that you can make the biggest impact with right the people you can help the most, and I think part of that is what the client brings to the table right. So you've actually created a a client avatar. I don't know whether you've got a written avatar or anything, but you've like, you've, you're, you know who your client is. And, and part of that is someone who wants to dedicate like three sessions a week to solving the problem that you solve with them. Right. And right. so we, I mean, it, it seems pretty obvious to say that, okay, someone who comes three times a week is going to get a more profound result than someone who comes once a week or once a month. Okay. And, and like, you know, everybody listening is probably rolling their eyes and going, yeah, well, duh, of course. But like, <laughs> it seems like you have, you know, Laura, you've set things up. So it's like, well, that's, that's who you want, right? You want people who want to come three times a week and, and have time and disposable income to do that because you can really help those people. Is that something you've consciously chosen? Uh, I think it's something that I consciously chose. I also think that it was the consequence of the rooms that I put myself in, right? I chose to work at bigger luxury gyms and it put me into a container with people that had a certain amount of disposable income um, and had a certain amount of disposable time, right? Um, I work in communities where there are a lot of retired people. Um, I've set up, you know, relationships with physical therapists that are going to send me people who are either pre or post surgery. Um, I've, I've put that out into the universe because that's what I want to receive back. I know who I want to work with to your point, right? Like, uh, yes, I want to work with somebody who's committed because otherwise I'm not committed. Yeah. Right. And, and commitment often means time, right? So there, there are people that come in once a week that I don't pressure to come in a second time. And maybe that's because they don't have it. And I know that. And I have to nudge them in the right direction to take time out of their week to literally move their body any which way. Um, and then there's other people that I can trust to move without me, right? We can go through a session. I do a recap at the end of the session. What did we do today? And they will recap what we did. And I can trust that they will go out into the universe and they're going to replicate it to the best of their ability, right? Because that's the expectation that I've set up with my client. Yeah. That's the relationship that I've set up with my client. So those are the people that I'm inviting into my space are people that are, are dedicated to what we're doing and do have the time, you know, for the most part to get it done. My sense Absolutely. is my sense is that you've got incredibly clear boundaries and that you have a, a, you know, whether you have a literal contract with your clients, but you have some kind of, you know, clear understanding with your, with your clients that each of you, has certain responsibilities and obligations in the relationship and you know you you know your your obligation is to do certain things and their obligation is to do the work um do you have that conversation like explicitly with people at at the start um it's (laughs) probably pretty pretty explicit um because i give homework from day one from day one I'll, i'll start asking questions um a lot of my intake uh, on that first day, I, I kind of warn them that we're going to talk a little bit before we start to move. Um, I tell them that, you know, I'm going to give them a lot of information during the first session uh, that may or may not be something that they're familiar with, right? Because a lot of these people have done Pilates in some other past 
you know, life and they are coming to me and I just set them up that I may not be like other Pilates instructors and that I'm going to give them a lot of anatomical information. I'm going to call things by their name. And if it's too much, let me know. And if it's too little, let me know. And, you know, we're going to go from there. So I, I, I do set them up to expect that they're going to get a certain amount of inf- information from me. Um, and then as we're moving along through the session, I'll start to pry into, you know, what is it that they're doing during the week? And, you know, are they moving their bodies? Are they not moving their bodies? Are they exercising? What kind of exercising are they doing? Um, you know, is this somebody who stands for 40 hours a week for work? Uh, is this somebody who sits for 40 hours a week for work, right? Because uh, all, all of that is going to give me information so that I can regurgitate it back to them and then give them the homework at the end of the session. Um, and and that's, that's the expectation I set up from day one is that the, I, I want to know what your body is doing when you're not with me. Um, I don't want to know what you're feeling. Um, and I want you to take this one or two, you know, movement exercise, whatever plan that I give you and try to execute it at some point somewhere. Right. And I try to give the, I try to make it simple. I try to make it clear. Um, I try to make it something that they can do, you know, on a staircase or Mm -hmm. (laughs) at work or, you know, do you watch TV? I'll probably, you know, do you watch Netflix? Oh, great. So you could sit your butt down on a foam roller and you roll around a little bit, right? Even if I, right? Because even if it's something that simple where it's not necessarily exercise, it's literally them just feeling their body and moving around a little bit. If that's all I can get from them and it seems like that's, you know, you have to kind of pick up on those cues from them that like maybe it is really challenging for them to execute movement on their own then give them something really simple, right? Sit on a foam roller and stare at the TV while you're watching succession and let that be your internal agreement that you're allowed to watch that TV show, but I want you to move your body around for like five minutes while you do it. So I set that up from day one. So what about the expectation of frequency and well, the frequency and also just like, uh, how do you, all right, just say I've, I've been my physical therapist because my right leg hurts when I ride my bicycle right? That's quite a specific mm-hmm. complaint that you mentioned before. Okay. So I go to the physical therapist, the physical therapist worked with me for, for a bit and, and then they go, you know what? I think you should go and see Laura because Laura's really good with this sort of stuff and she'll, she'll, you know, strengthen you up and stretch you out and do all these things so that this won't recur. And I'm like, okay, great. That sounds good. So I, you know, I make, a, I make an appointment with Laura and I can only imagine that in, in my, you know, as, as your prospective client at that point, I'm thinking like, oh yeah, I might do a couple of sessions with Laura. She'll give me some stretches to do at home or whatever. But then I walk out of there a three time a week for the next 16 years client. So how, how does, how does that transformation occur? (laughs) Um, uh, Well, it depends on the person. You know, I think a lot of that is personal. Um, again, goes back to disposable time and disposable income. And if that person has that, then they'll offer it. Um, you know, and I think that also being really clear and speaking to your client in a matter of fact way about what you expect from them allows them to feel more invested, um, in, in what you're doing for them. Right. Like it's not like, I think sometimes people, talk in terms that are over people's heads. They're not the, you know, your clients are not movement professionals. So if you expect too much from them or you speak to them about exercises and you're calling them by the choreographed name, that doesn't make sense to them. Right. Um, if you make it too complicated, that's not going to make sense. It's not going to, they're not going to want to go and do it. Um, but if they have a movement experience where they really feel 
connected to their body. They can connect what you're asking them to do to something that maybe the physical therapist asked them to do. Like, oh, this is kind of like that, right? Kind of threading the needle between the two exercises. Or maybe there's something that they're doing with you that you can thread into something else that they do. They say they ride a bike. Oh, you know, what are you doing for your feet? You know, something super basic, something simple, something that they can feel confident doing on their own, it's going to make them want to come to you more often because they're getting information that they otherwise wouldn't have access to. That feels really like, Oh, wow. Okay. I just learned something about my foot that I, no one's ever talked to me about my feet before. I have a client, for instance, uh, who before I started working with him two years ago, never walked barefoot. So when I asked him to take off his shoes for his first session, blew his mind, right? He's, what do you, what do you mean, take off my shoes? I said, take, take off your shoes. We're going to do this barefoot. He had never been barefoot. He wore slippers in his house, stiff, hard slippers. Wow. He said his feet hurt when he didn't have shoes on. And to this no day, wonder. Thing, he had, had no muscles in him. Yeah. And, and to this day, right, the, the man is, is, you know, he thinks it's magic that he now no longer wear slippers. He, uh-huh. he's, he will preach it to every, he's in his, you know, uh, late sixties. He'll preach it to all his friends. Do you know that I don't wear sl- slippers anymore around my house <laughs> that my feet, you know, I've got, I have this new relationship to my feet. I have this, I, my, my hips don't hurt and my knee doesn't hurt. And I think it has something to do with my feet. Right. And it's something just so basic that I was like, okay, can you lift up your big toe or your little toe or whatever it is, it just gave him awareness. It gave him a a sense of being powerful within his own body to connect to something that nobody had ever asked him to connect to, Mm. you know, and we can get into the nuance of what it means like to work his feet out and what that means for, you know, how his gait and all that other stuff on another day. But, you know, we know that that's powerful for somebody to like learn how to use a part of their body that literally what's pushing them off the ground all day. Right. Of course, the man is going to want to come in more often because he's learning things in in the sixth decade of his life that he's never, ever thought that he was ever going to have the opportunity to do, like take off his shoes. He'll take off his shoes at the park. He talks about it in the summer. He loves it. (laughs) You know, like these are amazing things that he's going through. And like I said, he'll tell all his friends. He tells all his 60 plus year old friends that, hey, like I walk barefoot and he's very proud of it. So. All right. So, I mean, that you're, it strikes me that what you're doing is like you're, you're educating your clients and you're inspiring them you know, and basically empowering them to have more sense of agency in their body and more connection with their body. So how does that translate from, you know, how, how does that translate to them doing more sessions and becoming a regular client? Because, okay, so I come in and, you know, my leg hurts when I ride my bicycle, okay? And and so I do a couple of sessions with you and I'm starting to go, oh, well, I didn't notice that I do X, Y, and Z with my posture or my foot or whatever. And, oh, and a couple of sessions later, it's like, oh, my leg doesn't hurt so much anymore. And then after a certain, uh, some amount of time, it's like, oh, my leg doesn't hurt anymore. Great. So in my mind, you know, before I started working with you, at this point we're done. And I'm like, okay, great. Thanks very much. See you later. But somehow in between then and now I've changed my thinking and I'm like, Oh great. Yeah. No, I want to keep working with you for the next 10 years now. So, so, so how do you like, just, you know, give me some, just some tangible, like, what do you say? Or how do you, how does that conversation happen 
where that person changes their expectation from I'm here to do a few short a short term you know program to solve this one specific issue to like oh no I really need this in my life three days a week ongoing forever like how how do you how do you facilitate that conversation like when when do they when do you go okay yeah no I'm going to need you to book in three days a week <laughs> right away you tell them you ask them right away. It's, it's the pitch, whatever, if you want, you know, it's a sales pitch. It's something that you ask them immediately at the first session. And it's, and it's a recommendation, you know, you frame it as a recommendation. Um, you know, this is what we worked on. These are the things that I observed that we did. You know, I chose these exercises for us to continue to work towards your goal or to help you strengthen, you know, maybe it's your right leg, right? Help you strengthen your legs in both a bilateral and unilateral fashion based on what I saw today and based on what I know about what you're doing outside of here. I recommend that you come in three days a week and then shut up and wait and see what they say. I love it. And, and, right. and all right. So, and how does that turn into like, and so I'm thinking, okay, well, gee, I don't mind coming in three days a week if it makes my leg feel better. Awesome. But then like, couple of weeks later, my leg's feeling better. So why do I keep coming at that point? Uh, because you build a relationship with that person. And we, you know, you know, as a fitness professional, right, we're, we're constantly in this moment of seeing things that we can work on and all these opportunities. Um, you need to make a list of the things that you're observing, huh. <laughs> pick a thing that you're going to work on with that person. Right. So maybe for this month, you're going to work on the leg, right? Because you know that that's really important to this person. They have PT exercises they need to work on. They're having, you know, some sort of pain that's coming from it. They just want to feel better. So you're going to focus mostly on the leg, maybe do some other things, you know, just to make sure that you're giving them a well-rounded experience, but you're focusing a lot on, on teaching them about the leg. Once the leg starts to feel more uh, powerful to them or they start to feel a little bit more proficient in what you're asking them to do, then you start to talk about other things that you've observed, right? So we know a lot of times if someone's having a problem with their leg, you know, the opposite shoulder, you might observe something going on there, right? So you're going to start to talk about the shoulder and trying to get their trunk to be a little bit more aligned. And here, here you are talking about this other opportunity. Huh. You're going to see that. And that's that threading of the needle, right? Like, oh, well, you know, I'm talking about this leg, but I'm also talking about your arm. And if we can get these two to work together, maybe you'll feel a little bit more balanced and I'm going to, you know, make you do some contralateral work. So you know what I'm talking about and you can feel it in your body and then ask you to go practice that on your own. And now we've worked into or walked into another opportunity for us to continue to grow together, which is now we got to work on this like bigger global thing, which is like your leg and your arm. And then maybe we progress that into something more load bearing, you know, in the next couple of sessions. And now we're like, Hey, have you been working on this on your own? No, you haven't. Okay, great. Then we're going to start working on this load bearing stuff. Right. Like it's just naturally uh, moving into a different opportunity for them and being really clear about what it is that you're doing with them again, clear and, 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 and concise information giving them that feeling of like agency in their body. Like, Oh, I'm learning about this and I'm learning about this. And this applies to this other thing that I'm doing. This applies to me on the bike. This applies to me when I'm doing planks at home. This applies to me when I'm walking up my stairs, right? Whatever it is, take it back and thread the needle for them so that they have a complete visual of what it is that you're trying to do for them. It may make sense to them. It may not. Right. But as long as you're clear, they'll be like, Oh, okay. We're working on this next goal. The chances are because you're, you're, 
being clear with them because you're setting expectations for them, you're setting goals for them, it's just going to be natural that they continue with you. It's not mm-hmm. going to be a conversation of like, if they're coming back, it's going to be a, a when are they going to come back? So I, I love it. All right. So, so I come to see you, you do your initial session. There's a lot of talking because you're asking me as a client, you're asking me a lot of questions about, you know, what's important to me, what I'm doing, you know, physically the rest of the time when I'm not in the session, you know, what, all, all of that kind of stuff. And then, you know, we do some moving, you do some assessment, you figure out, you know, what you, what you see is going on with me. And then at the end of the session, you sit me down, you go, right. Okay. So here's what I've seen. Here's what I've heard you know, here's, here's what you've told me and here's what I recommend based on that. And that is, you know, you come see me three days a week, we'll work on A, B, C, and D. Um, and then you just shut up and leave a slight uncomfortable silence until they go, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's, (laughs) let's get started. What days are best for you? Um, so then we start working together and, you know, we're working on all the good stuff, like you said, and, you know, you're educating me and I'm, discovering things about my body and I'm going, Oh, I feel more empowered in the way, in the way I'm moving and I'm understanding, you know, why my leg hurts sometimes when I do this or whatever. And so, and at some point I'm starting to go, you know what, Laura, my legs feel a fair bit better. And you're like, huh, how's your shoulder? And you're like, how did you know my shoulder feels a bit stiff? And, (laughs) and at that point you're like, huh, well, you know, would you like to do some work on the shoulder? And I'm like, well, you freaking did a great job with my legs. So yeah, let's, let's go with the shoulder. And that is a, essentially, of course, that's a bottomless, an endless process because right. you know every human needs to move on a regular basis, and we, you know, we're all going to have aches, pains, weaknesses, stiffnesses, you know, things that affect us physically and and emotional things that affect us physically. So, like, it's like there's an infinite, there's an infinite, you know, goodie bag there, basically. Not only is it infinite, but you know, I hope what's also coming across is that there's a certain amount of conversation that you're having with this individual and learning about who they are. Because what you might find is even though you're asking them to do an exercise here, an exercise there, their PT is asked, whatever, whatever it is, they may default to just doing what they like to do, which is totally fine, no judgment, right? Um, or they might default to just not doing anything at all, which means that you're even more valuable, right? You might be the driving motivation that allows them to continue to move. Even though they have the agency and they've learned all these things, you might be the reason why they continue to move. Mm -hmm. And you need to also know that about your person, right? All these little conversations and figuring out what they do and getting to know the, the human and the building that relationship with them is also, so you can figure out what kind of personality you're dealing with. Um, because as much as I would love to say that all of my clients are doing exactly what I want them to do all the time, I know that a lot of times they're not, right? They're, or the, and I know a lot of them just need somebody to push them. They just need the coach. They just need that time with me. And if they have me on the schedule, it'll keep them moving, right? It'll keep them going. Um, and that's important too, right? You have to know who your person is because that might, that might be it. That might be why they keep coming in is that, that you are keeping them moving. You're keeping them motivated and you make them feel good about themselves. You teach them something about themselves. They feel more powerful, but they just want to feel like somebody else is doing most of the work anyway, right? They just want to have somebody on their schedule that they could show up to. What a great time to take a break. Okay. Before the break, you talked us through basically the process that you use to turn a, a casual one-time referral to a 
permanent, you know, long-term regular client who's getting amazing results and who, you know, you build a, a sounds like a really uh, meaningful relationship with, with each person um, who you work with. And maybe we can touch on that a, a little bit later because I know that you, from a previous conversation, that you do have clear boundaries around uh, client relationships. And I think that's a useful thing for people to, to hear about. But I want to talk now and pivot a little bit into sort of more sort of personal development kind of uh, conversation around self-confidence, uh, imposter syndrome, um, you know, figuring out sort of who you are as an instructor and, and really like, you know, how to get the, the gumption basically to sit there and with a straight face say to somebody, you need to come and see me three times a week for this price and then just shut up and wait for them to say yes. So, yeah, can you, if if I'm if if I if, if Magic. yeah, so if, if there are people out there listening to this going like, oh yeah, that's all great for you, Laura, but you're confident and you're experienced and you you know you know your shit. So, but I'm just a beginner or I'm I don't feel as confident as you or I struggle with imposter syndrome. Like, how do how how can people sort of you know jump that chasm? So I will say that when I first tried to sell Pilates. Um, it was at a luxury gym. I think we've talked about this, um, in the past, past draft. I'm not sure if we talked about it on the last pa- podcast, but the gym that I was at would give out these free sessions. Um, and they, you know, were free to the members and for you, it meant, you know, that you were getting this influx of people that may or may not want to do Pilates. They just were doing it because it was free. Um, and it was a very powerful lesson and learning how to be rejected really, really well. <laughs> um, you have got to get comfortable uh, with people saying no to you. And that's, that's the number one thing um, that I kind of walked away with. Because for every no that you get on the other side of that no, there's an opportunity. There's a yes. Um, but the chances are in, in your career and in your life and, um, you know, in, in these moments where you're trying to pitch something new to somebody, if they're not seeking you out and they're just coming to you because somebody else told them to, or they, you know, their doctor told them to, or they wanted to try something out um, that was new, chances are they're going to say no. If you ask them to come in three times a week, they may say no to coming in a second time. Um, And I think that that, that is neutral feedback that someone's telling you. It has no reflection on who you are as a instructor. It's, not uh, your value, right? Them saying no to you or them not wanting to come in three times a week or even a client that's been coming to you for a really long time and leaving. None of those things are are a reflection of who you are as an instructor. And the sooner that you can uh, absorb that and uh, embrace that and embrace the no and say that it's okay that people are telling me no, it's okay if this person isn't for me and doesn't want to come in regularly, the faster the turnaround is to a yes, because that action in between that, that action of just selling yourself and talking about yourself and telling people what you do, um, that builds confidence, right? Getting the nose and then taking it to the next level and going to the next person and saying what you do and hearing that no, and then going to the next person and and fine tuning it every single time that you speak to somebody and and being like, Oh, well, I didn't like the way I said that the last time I'm going to, 
make a better effort to say it some other way the next time that I talk to somebody about coming to see me. By the time you get to that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, tenth, fifteenth no, you're going to have it pretty fine-tuned. And it's going to feel really good when the person says yes. But it's, it's, it's super important to, to learn to hear the word no and to not take it as a reflection on, on who you are as an instructor um, because you have, to, you have to have the no's. You have to hear the no's. Not everybody is for you, right? Um, and I think that that's really important. I love what you say, uh, the, the term you use, I think you said neutral feedback. You know, that's, it's not good or mm-hmm. bad. It's just a thing, right? You know, this person said right. no. Um, and I also love the way you paint that. Uh, it strikes me there's a real strong parallel. It's basically the same process that all of us go through as we learn to improve our teaching and our cueing is you, you know, you give a cue and you observe the result, right? And sometimes you give a cue and mm-hmm. the client's like, what the hell do you mean by that? I've got no clue what you just said. And you're like, oh, that, that cue didn't work for this person, <laughs> you know? And then, and then you try a different cue okay. and, and, and over time you learn certain cues work more often than not for certain people. And, you know, you, you get better at having that conversation. So you get the outcome you want. Um, and that, that's basically the same process you've done with your sales conversations is you've, you know, you've you know, said certain things, you've observed the result and you were like, oh, no, that wasn't the result I wanted. <laughs> so, so then you try saying a different thing next time. Right. And I think, you know, I, yeah, I keep saying the word sales and I, I'm sure there's people out there that are like cringing at that word. Um, but what we do is sales when, when you're trying to be an entrepreneur, and you're, you're, it doesn't matter what you're selling, you know, like you are doing sales, every conversation that you're having with people that you want to invite into your container, or you want to invite into your space, that's sales, every single one of them. Um, and they're all opportunities for you to practice and fine tune to your point, right? Practice and fine tune what you're saying, how it's being received. Does this make sense? Um, and talk in really matter of fact ways about what the impact is that you're trying to have on people and on bodies. Um, and, and you'll find that you start to get a little bit more confident each conversation that you have because you're just, you're just doing it. You're just acting. And I think, you know, the big thing, especially when you're first starting out is that your people get in their head and they get in their own way, right? This ego is your greatest overhead is something that one of my coaches always says. Um, but you start thinking about perfection. You want to make it perfect, right? I don't want to put things on Instagram because I want it to be perfect and people hold back, but perfection is a distraction. It's not real, Mm. right? That's a perception that you, you're creating in your own mind. That's, you know, uh, a way of your ego protecting you essentially from putting yourself out there and possibly not hearing anything. And it's okay if you put things out there and two people like it, because that means that two people like it and, and that's great. It's okay for you to put something out there and nobody likes it because you put it out there, right? And it's still that action, that messy action that's going to allow you to fine tune it. Like, oh, okay, well, I can see that like, people really like this thing, but they didn't really like that thing. So maybe I'm gonna like do more of that and not this, right? Or whatever, whatever it is. But it's the action that's gonna build the confidence. It's putting yourself out there and talking about it and fine tuning it that's really going to um, allow you to feel more confident in what you're doing and what you're offering. But if you just stay in a corner and you don't tell anybody, that you exist. <laughs> nobody knows. Nobody knows what nobody knows. Nobody knows that you exist if nobody knows that you exist. Are you a fan and, of uh, Seth Godin? I don't. I don't know if I know who that is. Do I? Huh. Well, he's. I mean, <laughs> I, I believe he's. He's based in Brooklyn. Um, he's not anything to do with Pilates. He's a okay. mark. He's a marketer. He's uh, a blog 
he's a blogger, he's an educator, um, he's a coffee connoisseur, um, but he basically, he's, he's written, I don't know, some ridiculous number, like, you know, 20 books or something, and basically they all say, just ship some art, you know, just put something, you know, make something mm-hmm. and put it out there and don't worry about it being perfect or you know, even good, like just, just create something and put it out in the world, you know, because by creating a hundred shit pieces of art, eventually you'll create a masterpiece. You know, if you just put a, you know, if you just get stuff out there. So anyway, that, that really reminded me of what, of what you, what you just said, reminded me a lot of what I've read in his books. Um, all right. So what, I, I so feel what you said there about, um, people need to come to terms with the notion of, you know, what we do is sales and mm-hmm. that I think that ties in so deeply with our value, our sense of value of, of who we are and what we, what we do professionally. That's like, well, you know, if we genuinely believe that what we do helps people, you know, like if someone does Pilates three days a week, do you think they'll be better off? You know, and I think like everybody listening to this right now is going like, fuck yeah, that, of course they would, <laughs> right? Like otherwise, course, right? otherwise, yeah. what are we doing? So, so it's like, yes, people will be better off if they do Pilates three days a week than if they sit on the couch watching Netflix <laughs> for that same amount of time. <laughs> and so, so it's like, all right, so we're all agreed that that's a really valuable thing. And why is that important? Well, they'll be have better mental health, they'll have better physical health, they'll live longer, they'll, they're less likely to have a fall and injure them themselves like there's so many you know less aches and pains mm-hmm. more energy you know like so many benefits we could do like you know a, a one hour conversation just listing the benefits of of you know doing pilates three times a week so all right so if 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 we believe that that was you know that that is so valuable right if you had a friend maybe who doesn't live near you you know lives in a different city and they they rang you up and said like oh you know i'm I, I'm totally sedentary. I never do any exercise, but I'm, I'm thinking of taking up Pilates three days a week. You know, do you recommend it? You're like, what would you say to that person? <laughs> you know, would you say? Absolutely. You say, oh. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know who I am. <laughs> right. And, and so, all right. And so if that same person came to you, right, and was sitting in an, in mm-hmm. your studio going like, you know, do you think I should do Pilates with you three days a week? You know, well, what would you say to them? Why would you suddenly say to them like, oh, I don't know, take it or leave it, do what you want, you know? <laughs> like, why wouldn't why wouldn't you, you know, like you've got that person there, they've walked in. It's like, why wouldn't you like figuratively shake them by the lapels and go, do Pilates three days a week, for God's sakes, you've got right. to do it. Like, why wouldn't you do that if you believe in the value and the power of what we do? Like, why wouldn't, you know, it's like, would you let that person walk out and just go, oh yeah, and I'm not going to do Pilates? Like, that's crazy. Like I said, ego is your greatest overhead. People will get in their own way. You know, ego, ego is such a, a interesting thing because I think that people don't consider thinking about that part of themselves when they're building a business. Um, but there's, you know, my coach calls it uh, the board of directors, right? So you have a lot of different narratives in your head, a lot of different versions of yourself that, that just take up real estate there. Um, and they will help you decide whether or not you're going to move forward, especially into really vulnerable spaces. Um, and for us in, in our, you know, world, a lot of that is, you know, am I going to show up on social media? Am I going to ask for the sale? Am I going to ask my clients to come in more often? Um, a lot of people will say no to all of those things because they're afraid that someone is going to see them, which seems ironic because you want to be seen 
you need to be seen in order to build a business. Yeah. Um, but you know, some narrative in their head says, oh, well, don't, don't do that. Right. Because they might see you. And if they see you, then they can judge you. Right. Or they, if they, they see you, they might question whether or not you're actually the expert. Um, and you have, you know, I, I have a mentor, a mentee right now that has been teaching for five years, uh, and told me the other day that they, uh, don't want to do an online course yet because they want a couple more years under their belt so they can really become the expert. And I had to remind them that they had been doing this for five years. You've been teaching for five years. You are the expert. You have the zone of genius. So the only person stopping them is, you know, fill in the brink. It was them, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that, you know, I've worked with a lot of business coaches in, in my time. I still have a business coach. And I feel like that's been something that's been really helpful for me is to have people that I can look to as mentors that can kind of keep me in check and remind me that, I actually am pretty awesome and I, I have a lot of this information. I am really smart. I don't need another certificate to prove that I know stuff. Um, I need to just believe in myself because if I trust myself and I believe in myself and then I share what I know with the world, they'll trust me too. But you, it starts from you. Yeah. If you don't trust that you are the expert, no one else is going to trust you either because people invest in the people that they trust. People buy from people. And if they see that you seem like you don't really know what you're, you seem a little uneasy. <laughs> you don't look like you're confident in what you're talking about. I'm not going to give you money. But Laura, right? I'm going to go with the person. There, yeah, there are some things that, is, that there are some things that I don't know. How can I be the expert if there are some things that I don't know? That means you're human. Of course, there's things that you don't know. And if there's something that you want to know, the internet is a wide, vast place of information but, that you can go and learn those specific things. But you know many, many things. There, you do know many, many things. But I and saw, those are the things I mean to focus on. I saw someone on social media, and their splits are better than mine. And I can't. I don't right have a. Pilates, I don't have a Pilates-shaped body. But who determines that? Who determined that? This is this is great. I'm getting you, some free free business coaching. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you determined that you determined that that the angle of their legs to their pelvis somehow meant that that was a better split than somebody else's angle of their femur bones in their sockets. And their right. Like who says that something is better or worse, you know, and, and that's the thing about social media, too. Right. Is social media is this wonderful, amazing, amazing free marketing tool marketing, market research, you know, connectivity that does all these things for us. And it's free, but it's also, right. It's like a hammer. A hammer can nail the nail to the wall. It can take the nail out of the wall. You can also clock somebody over the head with it, right? You can use it as a bad tool. And it's the same thing on social media. You can go on there with the intention to get inspiration with the intention of, I don't know, connecting to somebody or putting something up there. And then 90 minutes later, your thumb has been moving in one direction. <laughs> You're down this wormhole of comparing yourself to people that you don't know anything about them. You don't know their lives. You don't know why their legs can do that. You don't know why they're where they are. You don't know how, how they're able to afford what they do. You don't know, you don't know anything. Right. But you end up in this wormhole of comparing yourself to people for what reason it's, it's your, it's you, it's you that's presenting yourself with all these challenges and getting in your own way. So you're saying I just made all that stuff up, like about I'm not good enough because 
oh, my split is different to that person's or I don't have that certificate or I can't do this exercise and make a particular shape with my body or there's something I don't know that someone else does know. I just made, I just, I just created all of that basically. You, it, it is a valid feeling coming from a ego driven place. Right. So, so I, I, yeah, I don't mean, I don't mean like I just, you. I invented it and I'm making it, I mean like, yeah, sure. There, there are things I don't know. And someone else's yeah. split does look different to my split and my back yeah. makes a different shape in teaser compared to someone else's back. But those aren't, yeah, so those are real, you know, true facts about the universe, yeah. but they're not related to whether I'm a valuable expert Pilates teacher. Nope, they're neutral feedback. That's just things that are happening out in the world that you observed. Huh. That's all. That they have, yeah, they have no value, right? And I, I would go even one step further to say that each of us, especially I find, you know, people that are fitness instructors, people who are working with people in this capacity, we're so special, you know, like building these relationships and, and really committing to this and investing your time in something like this, where you're really trying to have this impact on people's bodies on this, on this one thing that you get, that we all get in life. You got this body, right? You come in with it, you leave with it. It's, it's, it's this amazing thing that we can communicate to these people and help them with, with moving it, right. With feeling better in it. Um, you have a responsibility to share what you know with as many people as you can. And, and, and that's reframing the narrative, right? That like, I don't know enough. In fact, you know so much that you have a, a responsibility to share with people. And if you're not sharing with people, it's kind of fucked up because you're keeping it to yourself. Right. If you, if you had you this, if, you, if right? you had a magic pill that would make people, you know, reduce their chance of dying in the next 10, 10 years by 50%, would increase their mental health, would increase their, their physical capacity and their you know, like stop them getting injured and aches and pains. Like, and you, you just kept those pills in a cupboard under your stairs and didn't share them with anyone. Like that's basically the same thing as having the skills of a Pilates instructor and not telling people they should do Pilates with you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You have a moral responsibility in my book. That's, that's, that is what you are on this planet for. If you have feel if you feel so drawn to this, that you're willing to transition out of whatever it is that you were doing before. We know that being a Pilates instructor is not an easy profession. We know that being a fitness instructor is not an easy profession. If you're willing to put everything on this, right, put your whole life on this, that so you're going to make a livelihood out of this, you have the responsibility. All that other stuff is just chatter. It's, it's, it's literally just noise and shadows that are getting in your way that you have to overcome and you, you have to honor that they're there. They're there for a good reason. They're again, they're, they're parts of you, right? It's not some external something it's coming from within you mm. and you have to honor the fact that they're there. Say, Hey, I get it. You're protecting me, but not this time. I have to be vulnerable. I have to share what I know with people. I have to make sure that people know that I have this information. That's your responsibility. Amen, sister. 100% agree. So, mm -hmm. the, all right, and the two practical strategies that I've heard you uh, articulate to, to achieve this, you know, to, 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 to achieve this level of, I guess, it's almost like a stoicism 
sort of, you know, external events don't make me feel an emotion. It's only my interpretation of those events that, you know, that causes me distress. Um, and so the two strategies I've heard you articulate are one, get a business coach, get someone who's going to hold up a mirror and go, you know what, <laughs> all that stuff you just told me, yeah, that's, that's just your interpretation. That's, you know, that's not the truth. You've, you've been teaching five years. You do know your shit. You are awesome. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of value to add. All right. So get someone who's going to hold up a mirror to you in a loving and firm way. Uh, and the second thing is you said, um, Action builds confidence. I'm not sure if you use those exact words, but basically you said like, just, you know, have those conversations with people, embrace the no, okay, because you know that on the other side of X number of no's is a yes, right? And so every no you get is one no closer to the yes. Right. Yeah. And an easy way to remember action builds confidence is ABC, right? Action builds confidence. <laughs> Super like easy to remember. And that can be applied to everything, right? It can be applied to the conversations you have. It can be applied to your social media. It can be applied to how you're following up with people. Um, but the more you do anything, I mean, we know that from within our own work, right? Within our own bodies, the more you do something, the more confident you're going to be in doing the thing again and doing it again and doing it again, right? So the hundredth iteration of something is going to look really different than the first. Huh. And it should. Yeah. You know what, like, I think, you know, most of us have probably had that person who said to us, you know what, I'd love to do Pilates, but I'm just not really fit or flexible. So I'd like to, you know, I'm just not fit or flexible enough to do Pilates. And like, we've all kind of rolled our eyes and gone, well, you know, that's why you do Pilates is to get fit and (laughs) flexible. Um, So, you know, so the, the fallacy of I can't do Pilates because I'm not fit and flexible is kind of like obviously backwards thinking to us. But then you know, if we reframe that into like, oh, I can't have sales conversations because I'm not good at selling. It's like, well, how the fuck do you think you get good at selling? You know, like. Have you ever heard of the um, be, do, have no. uh, argument? No. So um, it's, it's, you know, they, I, I can't remember the name of the author right now, but there, it's scientifically proven that, uh, that humans think that when you, when we have something, then you'll have it, Right. Uh, that we can't, to your point, right? I can't do Pilates until I'm more flexible. I can't, um, you know, start working out until I lose weight. Yeah. You know, we hear that a lot. I can't, yeah. I can't do the thing until I do the thing, but that's yeah. actually backwards, yeah. right? You have to embody the version, and this is in business, right? You have to embody that next version of yourself and make decisions and take actions as that version of yourself. So you can't say, well, when I, when I have the business, then I'll get the coach. Right. That doesn't, that doesn't make right. sense, right? And, and it might be scary, right? Because coaches, we know, cost money, right? These things, the, the big pink elephant in the room, right, is that all this stuff costs money, right? And, and um, you have to be comfortable investing in somebody, even if it doesn't mean the return is going to happen right away. Um, but you have to want to become the thing in order to have the thing. It can't be, I'm going to wait until I have a version of yourself. Yeah. Who do I have to become to have that thing? If I want to be an entrepreneur, who do I have to become to do that? If I want my clients coming in more regularly, what does my business have to look like for that to happen? Right. right. I mean, it's the what, same. What it, right. It's the same in, I mean, in uh, relationships, right? It's like, well, if I want my partner or my friend or whatever to behave differently to me, it's like, well, who, who am I being and who do I right. need to be 
in order to to elicit that response, you know, a more loving response or whatever response you you want. And that's not to say that someone else's behaviour is your responsibility, but uh, it's that same philosophy of be do have. It's like, well, you know, what what can, what can I control? That's I can control me, so that's where we're going to start. Right. And you have to want to, you have to really sit then and, and determine, well, like, who is that person, right? Who do I have to become to have that thing? Because right. the rewards, just they come. It's just that I think a lot of times people maybe are impatient <laughs> in terms of the ROI, right? The, the, they will come, but you have to put the work in, right? Right. And- you want the followers to come organically, that's great, but then you have to put the work in, right? You want the, the business to be making six figures, you have to put the work in. And the first couple of months, maybe first couple of years, are going to be a little uncomfortable, and they may not look the way that you want them to look. Right, and I would it's also... it's require work. I, I think, you know, part of the work is is an honest appraisal of where your skills and weaknesses are, and I think what's really tempting for most of us is to think uh, like, well, my comfort zone is teaching Pilates and doing Pilates. So, you know, to get more clients and to have a more successful business, I'm just going to go and get more Pilates certifications and do more workshops on, you know, different props or whatever. And and where in reality, actually, okay, you know, we can all continue to learn in all areas, but so if you want to get better at at you know business like if you want to have more profits or more clients or more time or whatever it's like well you've got to study those things if you want to get good at sales absolutely you've got to go learn about sales and get it get yourself a coach who's going to help you with that or go do a course on that or you know like just throw yourself in the deep end and start having those conversations with people and learn on the job like or all of the above so i think we've got to make an honest appraisal of you know what are our areas for growth you know, and so what, what have I, you know, who have I got to be, you know, don't fall into the temptation of thinking, well, I've got to be someone who can do a better split or someone who, you know, whose back makes a different shape in the teaser. So that's not what you've got to be <laughs> to be successful in business. Right. You know, you've got to be somebody who's good at business. And that's a whole other podcast, right? Because I think it's also like bullshit that people have to test out and do certain amounts of choreo in order for oh, yeah. them to prove that they're right. That's a whole other conversation. Right. Um, right. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> don't get me started on that one. However, what I, I, I will say is that I, you know, I, I would challenge everybody listening who has been investing a lot of continuing education and doing all the different things and learning all the different things to spend one year, one whole calendar year only investing in business yeah. coaching yeah. Um, and, and see what happens, you know, reach out to me in a year after, after that calendar year is up, let me know what the differences are um, because you'll, you'll soon notice that a lot of those things that you might've been compensating for by having a lot of certifications, which again, you know, certifications are great and learning things is great. And I love learning new things about the body and, and old things and all sorts of things. Um, but I spent time purposely investing in my business because that's what I wanted to grow. I know a lot of things. I don't need, I don't, I don't necessarily need new information there. I needed to grow a business. I needed to grow something that was going to be sustainable and I needed to grow something that was going to 
make me feel happy, right? That's how I define success. I'm happy with my business. I'm happy with what I'm doing. I don't feel burnt out. I've designed something that serves me, that serves my family. And that's important, especially during, you know, these, these times, right? This is really significant. I think that's a good place to leave it. But just before we do, I want to bullet point a couple of things with you. And the first one is boundaries, because I know that you build strong and meaningful relationships with your clients. And at the same time, you've created really great boundaries where, you know, your family time is family time and, you know, you don't take calls from clients at midnight and and whatever. So I I want to go into that. I think that's another conversation though. And um, also the, you know, the, the, the disconnect between your physical capacities and whether you're a great instructor or not, which, you know, in my mind are just basically two fucking completely different unrelated things just about. Um, but right. I'd really like to unpack that <laughs> with you. So maybe we've got, you know, uh, uh, episode three, you know, coming down the pot. All right. Are we doing this like quarterly now, Raph? <laughs> <laughs> this, yeah, this, I mean, this is awesome. I, I really enjoy our conversations. So um, I think to, you know, basically if I could sum up and you tell me if I've missed anything, it's embrace the no, it's neutral feedback, get yourself a coach who's going to be loving and firm with you and hold up a mirror. Um, and you, you, to, to, to do, you know, to get good at sales, you just got to have the conversation and what we, what we offer, what you offer, if you're listening to this, what you offer is so fucking incredibly valuable and is so life-changing and transformational for people, it's your moral obligation to, to mm. you know, figuratively drag people by their lapels into your studio and, you know, put them on a reformer. Like, that's, you know, that, that is making the world a better place. <laughs> put these goddamn straps on your feet. <laughs> right. Um, did I miss anything? No, no, that's about right. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think just knowing what your values are, you know, knowing who you are, who you're not, um, is is so important um, in really figuring out who your niche is and, you know, what the impact is that you're trying to have um, and, and getting comfortable, like you said, with the power of no, right? Like learning to hear no and learning to hear feedback and, using it as market research so that you can hone in on your message and on your impact with the people that you're really trying to work with mm. and get a coach. Yeah. And I've, I've got a coach and get a coach, yeah. get a coach. I have a coach. I have look, and that's the thing about coaches too. I've gone through seasons of coaches, right? Because each stage of my business has looked really different. Right. And so the investment is different. The containers are different. The network, you know, everything is, is very different, but they've all had a, a, amazingly profound effect on my life, you know, on my business and on how I relate to the things within my business. Um, so yes, definitely got a coach. Great talk, Laura. Yeah, I like this. This is fun. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist 
rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.